Well, it's by the chuckle, it's Carnival of Randomness, and it's allergy season in May, so we'll see how I do. This will be a little bit like uh, Bob Dylan's Subterranean Homesick Blues, as we're going to ad lib. And, and it's Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day, Rob. Yes, and so we'll make sure it's not out for a few weeks so, so <laughs> to be like us. So, And that's Paul. It is He's our drummer in residence, so trying to teach. Acting drummer in residence. And because I have to read your letters, because come on, Greg, drummer, you really can't read them. Uh, we're gonna. We've been asked by popular demand because also it's Mother's Day and everybody has their priorities right and isn't in the studio except us. And Jill in the and Jill in the peanut gallery, of course. Hello. How can I top that? You can't top that. But we're gonna do another one of our ad libs last time because I thought it was a lot of fun and we didn't do get the chance to do all these a lot, which is really cool. So we're going to ad lib whatever we talk about. And how about the value of honey? <laughs> value of honey. It keeps you from experiencing springtime allergies. And is it a specific... Now, I've heard there's like all these different types of honey. And is it a specific type or will any do? It's it's local honey is the thing that matters. And it depends on when they harvest it. So I know all this because I talked to a honey expert when we bought your honey. <laughs> so... Uh, um, if well, they, was that if, on Lyle Avenue where you bought my honey? <laughs> <laughs> that was your bunny. Um, the uh, the guy that we bought this from said that if you he he harvests it in um, where were the swamps that he was talking about? It was like someplace out west of here, Virgin Swamps, on the edge of the Virgin Swamps. All I could think of for so because I could think of and, swamps. I think of what is that wildlife preserve? Oh, the Mana Montezuma. That's yeah. the other way. Now this is this is the uh, other direction near uh, Virgin and oh uh, yeah, out near Sweden and such. And so by he, Norway. So he said, he, right? He harvests it. In August, um, and because he's harvesting it, it's got all of the pollen that's been there all season. So he's getting the whole season's worth from spring through summer through late summer. So all of this stuff that you could possibly be allergic to locally is in this, uh, the pollen's in this honey. And if you take the honey and it's going to help you not be as allergic to whatever is Well, we'll there. see on the next show if that's true We'll or see not. if it works. So this is our trial. Rob's starting a seven-day honey trial today. I used to go... We need another word for this. <laughs> for which? For just, it just sounds off. <laughs> Putting a honey trial. <laughs> now nah, I lost what I was going to say after that. <laughs> because I can't even think of anything. Well, it is Mother's Day, so even though whenever this will be out, we should talk a little about the mothers of invention. We, we should. In all my experience, I did meet Jimmy Carroll Black. He played a really good show. There used to be shows in the Bob Shop Atrium. Way back in the day. And Tom has them at, you know, at the Bob Shop still. But the Jimmy and Jack band, it was Jimmy Carl Black. It was a professor out of Colorado. And it was good stuff. And just meeting him, such a cool guy. You know, just such a... I had him sign my Freak Out album. He's like, sure, oh, man, cool. sure, sure. And remember, what doesn't he sound that I'm Jimmy Carl Black and I'm the Indian? <laughs> I think he says... I, I think, isn't that his line, though, I think? I think that's right. And that he signed that, and I guess Tom said he drove him wherever. And when he said all the old Zappa stories he told, I'm I'm trying to remember who um, uh, was in the lineup when they played here last uh, last summer because they opened for King Crimson. Uh, so it was it was uh, DZ and the Mothers. 
We are Dweez- is it called is it Dweezil? Dweezil, yeah, he goes by DZ now. Dweezil Zappa. But DZ and, and the uh, the Zappa band, right? And but it was it was some of the mothers, but I never really I never really checked out who the, who's in the lineup anymore. Do you have any idea who's touring no, with them? No, right? the last time I saw them was at Love and Company. It was the grandmothers of it. Grandmothers of it. But it was them, but they call themselves the grandmothers just because they were older. Yeah. So I really don't know. I'm I'm more of a dabbler with them. I like the idea though that they signed Alice Cooper because they heard the thing and Frank was like, "This is this is horrible." I'm going to sign. <laughs> Because I guess his worst stuff was like really sort of freaky psychedelic. Right. I don't know if it was exactly like what made the first record, but it was like he's like one of these where and nobody liked this. I'll sign him. Yeah, the early stuff was uh, was a bit um, out yeah. there, it, but I can see why Frank liked it because it was kind of up his alley. Yeah. And it was the whole persona that you know, just naming yourself Alice Cooper and just to. Just for the shock value of it all. Yeah, and I don't know. I could be totally wrong, but when Alice Cooper came out, was he still Vincent Fournier? But then when he took over, like he just took the name with him. Was the group Alice Cooper at first? The group was Alice Cooper, and then he took the name. That's what I thought. Yeah, but they, you know, they're uh, what Detroit, right? Yep. Detroit band. So, you know, they were going for the shock value. They just needed to be something a little different than everybody else out there, and. And we sort of had, like, the dolls at the time, but he sort of upped the uh, ante with the, the road shows and everything yeah. else. And the other thing, too, is, I guess, you know, all he does now is he golfs every day. <laughs> really? Yeah. I read about him. He says, because he said the biggest problem with being an I'd alpha- see, if I was him, I'd be golfing in makeup. Just <laughs> 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 Just, just because. One of the freakiest things I've ever seen. This was like back in the eighties. Like, there's an article in Sports Illustrated about Judas Priest, Glenn Tipton, and KK Downing about how they were average golfers. You know, avid, average golf, avid, <laughs> avid. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm an average golfer too, so that makes me feel better. I'm even less. <laughs> Depends who's looking. But they showed a picture of them, and you know how they dress in Judas Priest. Yes. They're dressed in the, the neat little polo shirts, the pants, and everything else. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, if you somehow got stuck, like you were playing, you got put with them, or you saw them, and you did sort of a double take? If they asked me if they could play through, I would say yeah. sure. <laughs> Maybe we play through? I, yeah, it's they'd like... kill me anyways because the inner host would come out was like, was that drive screaming for Brunson's? <laughs> I saw you kick the ball. You were breaking the law. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. <laughs> no, no, Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> but yeah, I guess what he said was, and he's right. It, alcohol, you know, alcoholics. It's time, and like golf takes up time. He plays every day. He says like, like he comes in anywhere he goes. He finds out what courses. He gets up and he goes. And he says like his bandmates at first. Like, are you kidding? But now they're up waiting for him. And all he would say is, like, he'd make a time, and he said, tell me, and I'll be there. And he said, you know, it takes up the time. And he said, does you get tired of it? No, because you're never going to hit the perfect game. Right. I'm still waiting to hit the perfect game. Oh. <laughs> I'm still waiting to have, like, a, you know, bogey, around a bogey golf. I'd be happy. There's always the one magic shot, though. I played Victor Hills one time before they changed it. I used to love the, like, that was my favorite course. Now they've changed it a little. It wasn't, like, as hilly. The sixth hole, I hit one about 120 yards out. Goes around these two big mounds. 
looks like it goes by the flag. So we're looking for the ball. Can't find it. It went in the hole. Wow. And that's just like, I know my dad loved to volunteer at the LPG, and he volunteered at Ridgemont for his, for their tournaments. And he would do the hole-in-ones, and over all the years, nobody ever got one. Yeah. And I think either you need, like, one of those Rodney Dangerfield balls on Caddyshack. <laughs> it's just a lot of luck. I mean, I've come close to hole-in-one, like, close to the pin, but I've never got one. Yeah. I, I, what's the hole at Victor that where you're hitting off the cliff down at the pin? Is that the... Is that the Num is that like the tenth hole? I think it's, or the, it's, it's, like, it's, it's, it's so it's, it's like by the clubhouse and I think is it hole number ten to start and then you go around. It's coming back in towards the clubhouse, so I think it's ten, yeah. So uh but that, that hole I've put it within a couple feet of the pen. I have and, two. It's, and it's um it's it's a lot of fun. There's a hole like that and um at Shadow Lake as well, too, where you're hitting down at the pen for a par three and once you figure it, once you it takes you weeks to find the right club. Once you find <coughs> the right club and and you get your distance, because when it's down that low below you, you know, the, the hole's what eighty feet below your feet when you're when you're teeing off. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's tough to get the right club because you put too much club on it. But I think I was hitting that one with a with a wedge. I, one of my favorite golf cartoons was Shoe, where he's like duffing up, you know, the one with the bird. He's duffing up to the to the hole dribbling in so he gets so he goes give me the fucking picket pitching wedge okay i had lived that a little bit he didn't say exactly takes the wedge blows it right over the hole and i've done that so many times yeah see the thing about the golf for me that always kept it interesting was that inside of 150 yards i was i was like a scratch golfer it was getting to 150 yards that i had on my i was horrible off the tee wicked slice Top the ball, sky the ball, oh, you name it. Shit, sliced yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just off the tee, I was just a mess in the tee box. But once I got once I got on the fairway, I was I was fine. Well, Island Valley too used to give me ego boost because oh, those was... yards were not accurate. Because I never yeah. hit one through in the yards of my life, and I've like yeah. piled one over. Yeah, I think I think they had two foot yards at Island Valley. Island Valley was a great place. It still is a great place to go practice. I haven't, I, haven't, I don't golf anymore, but uh, that was my. It was six in the morning in Island Valley on a on a frosty morning to go practice was a, a great place. Well, to when go. I went to Fisher, we played there a lot. But the thing was, it was narrow fairways. But Island Valley, I guess my parents used to go there for New Year's Eve a lot. They had a, a clubhouse there. I guess years and years, oh, years ago. ago. Wow! But I always remember on the ninth hole too, if nobody was behind, you could like find forty balls in those woods. Oh yeah, so like a part three, and people were duffing them. Yeah, everything else. But I had my fun days playing. I never got any better. And I know a friend of mine said, if you're serious about doing it, take lessons. I took lessons from, um, oh gosh, it was he he wrote for the DNC, and I can't remember his name. Now Rick Rick wrote the golf column in the DNC. He was a golf golf pro. Oh, that was, Rick Woodson. Oh, Rick Woodson. Yeah, I took I took lessons from Rick. He was great. He was fantastic. He taught me a lot. So when I was golfing a lot, it was it, it really it made it made a big difference. I mean, it was like you know now I can actually get under a hundred. <laughs> but uh, you know, I really enjoyed the game. It was you know it was for me it was always social. It wasn't competitive, and it was just a uh, you know. Yeah, that was out. always just the key, just to go with a good group of people, not the people like you're you're in my lie. Shut up. <laughs> so we we used to do you talk about Victor Hills. We used to do a, a tournament uh, with the group that I worked with at Xerox and. It started off as like five or six people going out for a, a team day out on the on the course, and it turned into the whole department shutting down for the day and bringing our friends and our customers and everybody else and going out to uh, uh, to um, Victor Hills 
on the south course before they changed it around. And uh, we had enough people to do a shotgun start. So you got you got two two carts in every tee box, except for the par threes. You got one cart in every tee box. So do the math. It's like what uh, seventeen times four. You dart player. <laughs> you know, sixty-eight. Yeah, people golfing. And then we it was the art department. So we had our staff photographers going out in, in their golf carts opposite. The people out there with Jello shots getting bombed and. It was very. It was a very caddyshack day, but we had the closest to the pin and the longest drive, and nobody ever got the whole. The key one. of drunken college golf was when you see three balls hit the one in the hit middle. the one in the middle, unless it's got somebody else's initials on it. Yeah. Now everybody has a way of marking their ball. How did you mark your ball? What was your, did you did you have a sharpie and mark your ball? Yeah. Okay. What was your mark? I just put a little X on it. I wasn't fancy or anything. Um, a smiley face with horns. <laughs> no, it should have been mine. I should have put little horns on mine. But I had the one. Also, I had like my my uncle Hal. He was like, he was like Rodney Dangerfield on the course, where he dressed that way. But he had like all these little toys. He had like a never three putter. It had a mirror on it. <laughs> what was the mirror for? So I guess could, so you could sight the ball. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he had that, and he also had these balls called Robin Hoods. And no, they didn't steal like I was from gonna say he still he stole them from rich guys. <laughs> <laughs> but what they were, I'll say I'll actually show you one. I probably had, I kept a couple of them. They're smaller than regular balls, so they go farther. Oh. Yeah. So you, so mine would just go farther into you the hit pond. it because it's <laughs> <laughs> And they also had one he gave me, so this sums up your game and it says oh shit on it. Yeah. So I just never used that one. But he was like Rodney like that. We had all he like he was like he loved his little toys, but I expected like a little periscope to come out of it. <laughs> so those you expect. I can't imagine a, uh, I mean a golf club with a mirror on it. That's, it was a putter. A putter with a and mirror. And it had like a mirror on it. So you could line the shot up. It's called Never Three. I'm sure we could look them up, and they probably find them somewhere. That's. I mean, I got to say, that's the one thing about golf. I I uh, I was the permanent sub in the league, the Xerox League, out at Webster when I worked out on Salt Road, and and um, so when when I had kids, I couldn't commit to um, to golfing, but I could say, hey, I could sub, right? So I subbed. I so I had a so I had a a, a handicap in the league, and I, but I, my putting average was under two in that league. So um, I was not a scratch golfer, <laughs> so I made it up on the fairways, like I said before. But it's uh, just like all the people on this show, you know, we're committed, and been people say we should be. <laughs> we should be. But that was always like with pool. I knew all the people in the Bears league, and I just never played because I wasn't good enough. So <laughs> oh, see, that was my game. I mean, I like playing and everything. Supposedly, if we ever get our pool expert on, we'll talk. But I used—I told you this story. One of my fun things was hanging out at the Park Avenue Pub on Sundays, and I felt bad. I still remember the guy's name. His name was Karim. Really nice guy. He was from Buffalo, and he sort of like he played in tournaments. And you know how you would do it then. You get your picture in with your friends. You put the thing on to play. So I, you play, and then if you lost, take over, right? Right. So I beat him, basically, because he knocked every ball off, and he couldn't get the eight ball because I had all my balls on the board. Yeah, you crowded him out of the, yeah. out of the pocket, yeah. No, I used to I used to be a, a pool shooter in residence at Desperados back before I got knocked down. Before I became uh, living legends with Rich and all those folks. But that's you know we talk about music on this show a lot. That's how most of the musician friends and I uh, that I've gotten Rochester I came to know because you know we it was back in um, 
So again, uh, I was probably three or four at the time. You, uh, you are and, learning well. <laughs> and um, 1980, I want to say it was probably 85 or so. A bunch of friends and I were walking past uh, Desperados on our way to Snake Sisters next door. And I think it was still Snake Sisters at that point. Uh, Christine and Consuelo in the place. And they had personal effects playing. Peggy and Paul, Dodd, were playing. And um, there was a line outside the place, and they said, we can't let you in. It's, like, too crowded. So, But as we were walking past the place next door, so Snake Sisters was 666 South Avenue. So it's now the home of Lux. Um, was it, bon- so, was it uh, the Bombay Bicycle Club It was the Bombay Bicycle Club for a while after that. They changed the name after Snake Sisters. They were trying to make it more uh, mainstream because it was a – it was a uh, vegan, um, uh, before Rainbow Flags, uh, uh, Rainbow Flag friendly. It was uh, before its time. Yeah, really, it was way Molly. before its time. And um, and then they'd have alternative music in the evenings. Uh, but they they were trying to broaden their audience, so it became the Bombay Bicycle Club. It was stolen by the same people. I used to play at the Snake Sisters. You used to play at Snake Sisters? Sunday brunch. Sunday brunch. Sunday mornings. So, so uh, Joe Beard would play Sunday nights. Really? Yeah, so... I'd see Joe play on Wednesdays at Desperados because he uh-huh. was like he had a he had regular Wednesdays. Every Wednesday right. was Joe Beard at Desperados, and then Sundays at Snake Sisters. And they had the, the most incredible huevos rancheros for Sunday. Oh night. yeah, they I had the, they had really good huevos. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are eggs with like hot crap all over them. It's like an egg plate. Yeah, <laughs> it's like an egg garbage plate. But uh, get back to work. So, uh, but we have a. The yeah. maestro appears. Yeah. <laughs> you, whenever you, that's like our Groucho Marx thing with uh, "You Bet Your Life." When you say the words to make him appear, to make Andy appear, it's like when uh, it's, it's like confetti comes down. You said the word I of the day. I think I got it. Because I said Snake Sisters. Is you the want word a Ricola or whatever? You can have that as a prize. <laughs> you don't have. I don't, but I just I don't even remember that one. It's like I don't remember the Orange Monkey. Oh, I remember the Orange Monkey. The Orange Monkey was great. We used to go see like Swing Set and New Math play there and stuff. Yeah, but um. But so so Snake Sisters was too crowded that night to go in to see personal effects. So, but as we were walking by Desperados, it was like, there's some kicking blues coming out of this place. And it, it always had a row of Harleys parked out front leaking <laughs> oil. And um, so uh, I walked up, and there's this guy who back before – everything's ahead of its time, right? Because I, they're all time travelers like well, I was Well, it's the amazing time. that we so, could do this, and we're you know lucky we could have this. So so it would have been 1985, right? This guy at the door was, was tattooed from his uh, first knuckle all the way up his arm. He had sleeves before people knew what sleeves were, both sides. And his, and his name was Butch, and he went by Butcher. And he always wore a sleeveless uh, tee. Black sleeveless tee. He always looked badass. He was the nicest guy in the world. And he was they working all the door. are. And, and he was, like you, used to do the same thing, right? He used yeah. to work the doors. And, or and my friend Oz, who if you looked at him, you'd probably run the other way, but he's a, yeah. just a little pussy. Because he's, he's named after a character from a prison show. So, of course. But uh, <laughs> I so, love Schillinger. <laughs> oh, now I'm going to think about yeah. I always was saying that people would ask me like about scared shit. i go, just, you want to be that guy's uh, cellmate? Yeah, you want to <laughs> be a Get the little swastika <laughs> on your rear or whatever. It's like, no. So, um, so I walked up to Butcher, and there were five of us, and I said, what's the cover? And he goes, buck. I said, how much for a long night Budweiser? Buck. And I, I, I almost asked him who was playing today, but I was afraid it would be Buck Owens. So, I, so we said, okay. So I gave him a fiver, and all of us went in. And, and it became my, my local. It was my place. And uh, pool table in the back was always level. You could always, there was always a great game going on in the back. And in the front, tiny little stage, uh, round bar in the middle of the, the front room, 
and yeah, the, I can picture smoke, that. And smoke and blues every night of the week. Uh, Joe Beard was a regular in there, like I said, on Wednesdays. Uh, Johnny D was the owner. He was a, a fantastic blues guitar. Uh, back in the day, Mike Archer was there. CC and the Cats, Chet Catalo played there. Uh, it's where I met Jimmy Richmond, who's our, you know, guest. We'll be on when we'll he's on. free. Yeah, Jimmy will be on uh, soon in an upcoming show. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, Steve Lyons, uh, Dave Riccioni played with uh, uh, Marshall James uh, and the, uh, the Night Stalkers. Uh, uh, Rock and Roz, Electric Liz. It was a great place for Did for Electric music, Liz play acoustic? No, Electric Liz. You need, the, you need to do irony like that. Uh, it would be ironic, but she was a vocalist, so I guess so. <laughs> here, I'm going completely off subject. We mentioned Oz and Schillinger. This would have been perfect. Guy gets thrown in with them. Well, what do you do? Well, I did tax division. What are you in here for? Well, I abused a bunch of students while I was teaching a music class. <laughs> but back in the old days, when I was like, and somehow doing that time travel. What I used to just do, too, I would walk around, and if I heard, like, some good music, I'd just go in the place. Go in and check it out, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and... and Whereas now I walk down to go and go, wow, what a bunch of assholes lined up at the door. I don't want to go, <laughs> not going near this meat market. You know, you know it's, it's, it's funny because you think about back, you know, back then, we were walking, we were on our way to see one genre of music, and, and we appreciated, you know, we, we loved the blues, right? So going in, but the place was just... It was very off-putting because you always had a row of motorcycles and a, you know, big burly tattooed well, guy at the door, and it looked kind of rough inside. But once we got inside, it was like, you know, I, I got, I, no, not exaggerating, I got mail at this place. Like if people, you know, if I moved and you couldn't take I've your phone number back, done that, like couldn't take your phone number with you back then. You moved, you got a new phone number, right? Yeah, I would have people like when I worked at bars, like they'd ask the bartenders because remember that was like, you know, what you like leave a number or something, right? Yeah, I'd leave a number or they'd. Um, they'd send a postcard, and I come in, and they go, "You got mail." It was like before AOL. <laughs> but that's almost like the scariest. I think the scariest crowd I was ever at was at uh, David Allen Co. And I literally like this is like the one time, and like I always used to hear when I was a kid, "Oh, Penny Arcade, Penny Arcade." It's like, and I and I'm sure it was like the one kid in school just lived it up because he lived right near there. Yeah, and he would just say like he all the stuff going on there. So when you're a kid, you know, you don't know. It's always got this allure. Right. It's got the rep. Yeah. But Penny Arcade was just sticky with beer on the floor all the time, right? It was they, you know, It was more like it was a, and I don't know where all the bikers went from there, but like I went down there and you always tried to look cool when, you know, your mom would drop you off to go to a concert, <laughs> which is always, I got my Sabbath shirt on. I'm a rebel. Oh, there's mom. I've got to go. I got my Slayer shirt on. Yeah. Oh, I saw them there. Okay. This is like one of the weirdest crowds I've ever seen. My friend, my friends there with me. He's like, will you look? Let's take a look around us. So I'm looking. There's all these people. All they're doing, they're like this. They have their hoodies the hood, up. No, the hood, not hoodies. Yeah, the hood. Regular, they have regular the hoods satanic hoods. Oh, the satanic hoods, yeah. Yeah, yeah I saw a guy in a Slayer t-shirt the other day. I wish I could remember where it was. And I'm like, dude, shirt. <laughs> yeah. I, but I remember going, okay, it's all the bikers and stuff. The only time I ever had a problem was some guy pushed me into somebody who looked like the mountain we saw the other day. And he looked at me, and he goes, don't push, man. We saw this. We saw this guy. We were at the, so it was the greasy, uh, the grease creepers, the grease creepers, 
uh, Joe Buck yourself and uh, Wayne Coyne playing at Wyatt Coyne. Wyatt Coyne, sorry, playing at the um, Wayne's his brother. Wayne's his brother. Wayne Nickel. <laughs> but uh, at, playing at um, Bug Jar. Bug Jar, and this guy. We were at the back. We're, we kind of always hang out in the back with the cool kids. And so we're in the back and this guy comes up and he's, I'm not exaggerating, four people wide. And, and like this, it was like the sun eclipse. We, the, he blotted out the light from the stage show. It was, it was like, it suddenly went dark in our back end of the bar. And it was like, and we're all like trying to look around him. So you can imagine like the three of us are standing there trying to look around this four person wide person and one of us goes to the right and two of us go to the left and then he shifts to the left and then the two of us shift to the right to look around him again. <laughs> and then he moves every <laughs> time he, we move every time he moves we're moving trying to look around him and and finally the uh, uh the bob you saw one of the people like say yeah. dude you're so, dude please sit down there's like 20 people behind you that can't see <laughs> you're a nice guy though no problems nice guy, or anything yeah. else yeah that, you know? cher- that cherry sat in will never be the same again. <laughs> I think it got about three inches shorter after he sat in it. But, <laughs> but, but, thought... but that was a great show. That was a, that and, was a lot of fun. And, so thanks for bringing us along. I'll, 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 talk about I'll mention that, music. and I'll mention that in a minute, but I don't think I still can't believe because of New Math playing at Orange Monkey. I never went there. I can't yeah. believe New Math played there. I didn't go there. Yeah. But maybe I was actually, maybe they realized they saw me go, wait a second. You might look old. So, so what is it now? It's like an Indian restaurant or something? Okay. Where where was it exactly? And I might know what it is. Uh, uh, I, I remember the place at Jefferson Road, uh, short of Red Creek on the same side. Oh, it? I don't... Could be... I really... You know, next I time I go down to I think it's the Indi- I think it's the Indian buffet now. It's, it's kind of sad. But uh, I was... Um, so the WRUR station management crowd, which I was part of at the time, uh, was driving out for St. Patrick's Day, a very snowy St. Patrick's Day. And it was snowing sideways. And all of the signs, you couldn't see anything on the street signs. So we got up to the to take the, the right from from uh, West Henrietta Road on, uh, to, to head out on Jefferson Road towards RIT to get to the monkey. And, and um, there's a traffic light there. And we stopped and we turned on red and then a sheriff pulled us over. And he's like, um, you know, very nice. And he said, you know, you went through that, that traffic light back there. And we said, well, we stopped and turned on red. And he goes, well, there's no turn on red. And we said, we, we can't see any of the signs. They're all covered in snow. And and sure enough, they were. Uh, he looked and saw that all of the signs around us were completely obliterated with sticky, wet snow. And he's like, where are you going? And it's like, we're going to the Orange Monkey for St. Patrick's Day. Look for us on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought that was hysterical, so he let us. We were, we hadn't done anything. We were just no. And I could imagine like snowy sideways and a couple of those. So, so he he threw us back in and and figured he'd catch us another day. Yeah, you you've been to the Casablanca, obviously. The Casablanca, we you know. I, so I had forgotten the name of the Casablanca, and you helped me remember this. But the Casablanca used to go. Um, a friend of mine did sound. Uh, Daryl Frank. Um, uh, Emmy Award nominated sound engineer used to do sound back in the day for the Chesterfield Kings and I'd help him lug the stuff in so I could get free beer free admission and hang out and watch the, the, the Kings play And but they would have the, they, uh, Casablanca was like the CBGB's of, of uh, Rochester in terms of the, the acts that they would get in because they'd get in all the, the great out of town acts but it was like in this little strip plaza. I think yeah. there was a phase now. Phase drugstore. For I remember. Of, see, I for remember those of you phase. who have tri- time traveled back to the seventies, you'll know phase. <laughs> Yellow logo. Yep. Um, and I think it got bought out by a Rite Aid. So this is right behind where um, the um, there was like Fri- a Ruby Tuesdays or Fridays. Well, Fridays. 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 Yeah, Fridays. Fridays is right on the corner there. 
and so it's kind of behind where Delmonico Steakhouse is now. And, and now El Torito's was there. El Torito's was where the emergency vet is now. That was El Torito's. Oh. <laughs> so that was where El Torito's was. El Torito's is the emergency vet. El Torito's was a hangout. Yeah, oh, that was. Because that place was cool. It had, first of all, it had good margaritas. They had, they had decent Mexican food. And, and, the, um, and the, the inside of it looked like two, it was like a two-story atrium that looked like you were in a Mexican uh, yeah. town. And I actually think Casablanca's, I think it became like this sort of sports something bar called Jack Astor's. For a while. I, I think, it I think that's been. right, and because it was the first Jack Astor's, and then yeah. Jack Astor's ended up becoming a fixture in all the malls. Yeah, because what here. we did, all the we, malls that are dead one of now. my friends came into town. We didn't know where to meet, so we we're like, okay, let's go down there. And I think we walked out. It was one of those places where they purposely try to just blast music, so you can't have a conversation. So when, you, when they first got going, it was Jack Astor's was. Um, well, actually, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Jack Astor's when ended up being where I'll. Uh, uh, El Cam- uh, was it El Camino or El Torito? El Torito. El Torito was in the same place okay, as El Torito. Okay, that was. And which is now the emergency vet. <laughs> as we go, somehow it's the thousand dollar vet, not the hundred dollar vet. When our, somehow, our... yeah, actually, I've been there like twice. Yeah, we've been there a couple times. And a couple things about that though, but that's like sort of weird. Okay, it was a restaurant, now it's like a vet. Pl- oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's something weird about that. If it becomes a restaurant again, then we have something to worry yeah. about. Yeah, but there. I'm now. I'm probably wrong. But the other thing I remember there was I remember going there with my brother, and he knew the guy. There was like a video store up there, and this was like way back in the day because I got the DVD of Saturday Night Live, where it's got the Star Trek sketch on it. This was like way back. Wow. And I've got that, and I tried to get there was a Pink Floyd. Wait, fun- they had DVDs then. <laughs> this, you know what was it? Yeah, was it, it was, a laser disc? No, it was a DVD. <laughs> Wasn't it VHS? <laughs> now I'm. This is really just going down the tubes. I'm, messing, quick. I'm but, messing with Rob here. Yes, but I didn't. He tried to find. Remember, this was way before everything, and I would ask him like, "Oh, could you have?" Because I remember there were a bunch of videos for Pink Floyd's The Final Cut. Right. Remember those like like all the little segues, and I think they made like a little movie of them. And they were going to try to look for him, but those days you couldn't just grab everything. But I remember, I think it was in that plaza. I yeah, that makes sense. And it's like everything now, right? It's it's now it's it's not a plaza. There's no drugstore there anymore. Everything is. I, I think it's a Dollar General on the end, maybe or something like that, or a dollar store. And then everything else is a doctor's office. It's just like everything else in the world has become a doctor's office. So so I found this out from Marketplace. I was talking to a surgeon friend of mine while he was operating on me. And he said, you know, we're, we're becoming mall doctors. I'm like, what? He goes, so Marketplace Mall. I like that. Marketplace yeah, Mall. I've seen it. Then I know what you're doing. They're, go. building, I know where a, you're they're going. building a tower at Marketplace Mall. And I said, they're doing what? He goes, yeah, they're, they're turning it into a surgical center. So instead of going to the hospital now, you go to the mall to have your surgery. And he goes, and, and the tacky factor is really up there now because when you walk into the, to, to, you're walking in through a mall entrance to go to the surgery center. And I'm like, are you going to have a spirit Halloween? This is during my tan surgery. Are you going to have a spirit Halloween story there? And, and, <laughs> and he's like, they're falling out laughing. He had to stop working on my hand because he was laughing so hard. He goes, and somebody said, well, they're building the tower. And they said, is that what your office is going to be? And he goes, no, they're, t- they're getting rid of our offices. The tower is going to be for patients that have to stay overnight or two after their surgery before they can be discharged home. So they're literally turning into just a surgical hospital 
in the old mall and they're keeping the food court so i'm like is there going to be an, an, an auntie annie's there and he's like yeah they're going to keep the annie annie's and probably a starbucks or two or three and and they'll have a food court for people. Hi, to... I have to go stop at TCBY. I want to go purchase a couple things at the Hallmark store, and then they're going to scope my rear end. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you keep the Hallmark store so you can get the get well cards, right? And you keep the coffee joints. This so is you... so American. It's this so is American. So and I'm like, I'm like, are they going to, like, they're going to be drive through surgeries? <laughs> What's next? But they're mall doctors. He's like, yeah, I'm losing my office. And there are doctors at, at Strong that are going to quit over this. They're, get, they're they're ready to throw down because they're losing their offices. This would have been like a bad Seth Rogen comedy or something from then. And it's for real. Or like what, Paul Blart, mall doctor or something. So, you know, you think about it. So a friend of mine, um, Bill Trainer, if you're out there, hey, Bill. Bill did a, a film. He was a uh, film studies, uh, sorry, um, uh, MFA student at, um, at RIT when I first met him. And he was doing uh, video and, and computer animation. And he did an animated short called Time that was shown at Movies on a Shoestring. And I'd seen his movie and fell in love with this movie. And then years later, he interviewed for a job and I hired him. So because I needed to hire a graphic artist and video guy and I hired him. So so the whole idea was he had, at the time, he had an apartment on, on, <laughs> Meg, on Meg Street over by Dickie's. Oh, and, those, and, I'm sorry. I'm having flashbacks, flashbacks to part and, of my life. Yeah, because you lived around the corner from there. And, and... So the concept of this movie was what happened in the spot where my apartment is. So and it was all claymation and stop action animation. So there were, you know, there were there were great, you know, so it went back in time. So it goes back, you know, there's fields and there's people plowing and it's going back further. And then there's there's an ice sheet that's two miles thick. And then it goes back further and then there's dinosaurs and it goes back further. And then there's like the Big Bang. Right, or something like that. I haven't seen this movie. So it goes to all 3,000 years of the Earth. It it, it goes throughout 6,000 years of the Earth. If you you interpret the ages right, it's 6,000, not three, because otherwise we would have only had five minutes to coexist with the dinosaurs. Those cowboys and the creationists because they ever ride the dinosaurs. I actually do that weird thing where I I still go to my mechanics in Nando. I think he's great in Gates. Always treated me excellent. But, like, if I have something, I'll leave the car and I'll go walk around. That's where my parents grew up. And I know we had a neighbor, Mrs. Hotto, who lived one of the, like, the 100. And she grew up, she would say it was all farmland. Right. And what we would do is, like, when we moved in, we would find farm equipment buried. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So so I'm thinking, like, you know, so and in, in, in one of my, uh, I so I've been told, before the mall was there, it's called J. Scuddy Boulevard because didn't J. Scuddy have a... Um, an uh, um, a uh, an airport out there or something? And, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and so there was there was a little um, you know private airport out there, and it was all farmland before that, and then this mall gets built sometime in what the eighties, right? And and then the mall was like the mall, and people used to come from Canada to shop at this mall. I used and to go like, shop there for Christmas. It was, it was a great place to go shopping. I, I'd go to Eastview because it was less crowded, and it was, I could get everything I, done. I used, when I almost backed into like a pond, though, the one time, because I, I just remember I got kind of... The Goose Pond. That had to be it, because I got... <laughs> I remember getting Ken Dryden's book, The Game, The Montreal Canadiens Goalie, mm-hmm. doing some shopping, and somehow we went on the wrong road. I turned around, and I backed up, and I hit the gas too hard. almost... I thought you were going to say you followed your GPS into the... The this park. was way before the days. <laughs> Could you imagine people now just drive off the cliff here? Yeah, right. But that was like different, like especially when you were a kid and everything. It was sort of like fun to go down there. Well, yeah, it was back when malls were, you know, it, it was nice because, you know, 
back in the day, Dave, when you were shopping downtown, right, for Christmas, and you had to trudge through the snow, and it was brutal and cold, and in one shop and out of the other shop, and you're either freezing when you're outside or boiling when you're inside because you had all your layers on. And then they came out with malls, and it was this great idea where you could do all your shopping, you could be leave your jacket in the car and get a bite to eat, and, you know, the first malls just had like a pizza parlor, maybe a coffee shop, and then they had food courts, and then they had merry-go-rounds, and it was like the place to be, right? right. And, and, and now they're dead because we all shop on Amazon. Nobody wants to go out anymore. Plus, and I just hate people so, more and more. Yeah. I'm so shitty with people. So, yeah. And it's, you know, I think that's one of the things that's happened. I was talking to a friend of mine at work the other day, and he said, I don't want to go shopping. I don't want to go out anymore. I don't, I, I just, I'm not afraid I'm going to get COVID. I just, I just freaking hate people, and I don't want to be out anymore. And I think it's sort of brought out that side in some people where it's like, it's okay to stay I, home. I've been having, like, this weird anxiety lately, and, like, I just stop at the store, and I'm, like, one of those people always, seven items or less, usually. It's like, you know, see if there's any, like, vegan sushi, go grab the pitas. <laughs> go on. There's somebody there struggling even, like, about taking forever, like, with a few items, like, about even how to put their card in or yeah. whatever else. And I just getting all frustrated i just could do doordash or have them do that yeah right you know or just or just order the stuff ahead of time and just have them delivered out to the parking lot right because there's a lot of days where you know it's like i like you all but generally i freaking hate people yeah i'm a curmudgeon <laughs> i mean we have this is except for our listeners you're all golden you're all golden <laughs> we'll come see you if you let us but you know or if you stalk us but, hey, but, not this bad. <laughs> don't go there, okay? But the other thing was I was going to yeah, say Rob's when, got, I, when, I, when, I, when I croaked last year, for some reason, maybe it was at hospital food. Yeah. Actually, that place will have better it's, hospital it's, food. But somehow I got really, when I got when so I got now home. you can do takeout from the food court when you're in <laughs> no more, no more hospital food. You can just, you just door dash the food court up to your room. No more shitty hospital what food. What happened right? was, oh, I hate to even say this, but it's it's funny now. It wasn't me. So I, there's a 19-year-old in my room, and he had some kind of weird condition where whatever meds gave him, he couldn't be exposed to the sun. And he's trying to scream and go out because he's a camp counselor. That's that, that's that vampire thing. And he's going, he's got to go to that place that's not sunny at all. He's supposed to go to Hawaii. Hawaii. Oh, yeah. So he's in there and he's like complaining about the food. And like, I, I feel, he ordered a pizza from Domino's, right? Yeah. So he ordered it. Oh, come on. You're, you're complaining about the food, then you order a pizza from Domino's. I mean, come on. Hey, it could be a future sponsor. It's really. Oh, well, I don't want to queer your sponsor. You ever hear the, here, did, did, did you ever hear the thing when you're in hell? Purgatory looks good. <laughs> you know? So he orders the grass it. Grass right? is always greener. Yes, yes. So he orders it. There's something is greener. He's like, where is it? Where is it? And I'm like, shut up. It's like my dad the one time when he was in the hospital for his stent, and he told the one guy to shut up, you baby, because the, <laughs> the guy was whining in the room the whole day. <laughs> oh, God. That would be me. Yeah. But the thing was, so he's waiting for it. The nurse comes up, and he asks for for the pizza. And like, they brought it on time. But remember, this is like COVID. They had to leave it at the desk, and they said it was in. Yeah. And I guess somebody so- just came and walked and took it. <laughs> it was like me the one night it was like the spirit of me like when i used to be the door guy and i'm walking around before to do the bars and there were like these i'm not even gonna say the plate well the, it was <coughs> dominoes but what happened was dominoes. this was a long time ago but there's two delivery guys and they're going and i'm going hey wh- what are you doing are we have like supposed to take this down on park for some party because 
you know what? I'll buy them from you. And I'll give you five bucks tip. Like, and we're done, sure. Yeah. Like, they won't even notice. I'm, like, wondering if these stoners are, like, waiting, going, where's our pizzas? <laughs> they probably forgot they ordered one. Yeah. <laughs> or, or they remember eating it the next Just, day. How where good are we going to order a pizza? Or, or, they, or they remember, like, you ever go up to them to, to play mind games? Wasn't that really good? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you know, I, I got to say, though, I, have you ever done this? Because I, I did this once that I remember. I was out to lunch with my friend Dick, and we were, we were at the village uh, pub in Fairport, and and we were talking. We were having this really intense conversation. It was it was a, kind of a business lunch, and uh, and the, the waitress comes up and brings my sandwich over. And I said, "Where's my soup?" And, and they both looked at me, and I'm like, "Did I eat my soup?" And that <laughs> like, uh, I can yeah. do that. These They're like, days. "Yeah, you ate your but soup." But like when I was in, what I didn't I, even remember what the when soup I, was. But I was after like, I did that, I was talking about hospital food. I got really, really into for a while reading about quiche culture in America. And I got all these books about, like, junk culture and all the, like, big gaudiness of America for a while. Right. And I wonder if there was, like, a like sort of like a... That was the counter... Like the chemicals of those hospital foods. I, I can't describe them, though. They were just something... It's bad in a way that's just... It's like the fly, sort of, when they put the steak through the thing and it comes out wrong that's <laughs> they the way the, they taste they the steak through the machine and it comes out yeah with compound eyes <laughs> yeah or something and it's like you can't help me oh. Vincent Price said he said that that scene he said they had to take so many takes because they couldn't stop laughing they couldn't stop laughing yeah that's hysterical well but when he came out as a fly when they find him as like the little guy in the this was like oh. the, when they see him in the web Oh. And he said they were both trying not to laugh every time. Oh yeah, because I'm sure he shot the the headshot against a green screen or something, or, so that they could stick superimpose his head on the fly. Yeah, those days, yeah. I, sorry, it it wasn't real. So <laughs> but, but we should talk about like the bug jar a little bit. That show. Oh, we should talk about the bug jar show and everything. I feel that's probably my home bar in a lot of ways. Every time I've only been back a couple times, the way I'm just greeted there and I feel comfortable there. I like that place too. It's, it's, it's we, we, you know, I used to go there a lot. I had the one but, friend come up, go, "You're not going to drop dead on us here, too, are you?" <laughs> I said, but I, you know, I had my 20 year disappearance where you know I, I was abducted by um, uh, flying saucers and disappeared from Rochester between um, somewhere around um, November. Um, 25th, I want to say, 20, Missing 19, time, 1989 until uh, probably around the same time in uh, 2012. I was, I was like, not seen very often. Oh, see, from just... about 1995 <laughs> till around this, like, 2000 or so, I was gone pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Well, well, my miss, my missing time uh, had more to do with a, a marriage than anything else. My big school and <laughs> but but work but you know i didn't i didn't go out to to uh clubs anymore so i wasn't seeing music so i missed a big chunk of uh of live music scene in rochester and once i became single again i figured well this is time to get back but the bug jar is a place that i've got to get back to more often because I've, I've been there probably back to where you once belong back as to the where Fifth i once, would say back to where i once belong <laughs> i hate that song and, and, uh, <laughs> that's one Beatles song i do hate oh <laughs> I told Katie I, that at the RPO I, thing. You know, I was in a band once where we covered that in a reggae version, and it was now, epic. Now, that's the way to do it. Was, it. it was epic. 
get get back and co- and come together both as reggae versions. A friend is cruel to be kind is a ska version. I oh, love okay. cruel being. But let's do your story so you don't like go off on a tangent, forget about. Well, we were talking about how often we've been to the bug jar. I was there the second night it was open. I was, you were there the first night it was open ever, and and um, you know just fascinated with all the stuck stuff to the ceiling, and somehow neither of us. So they sink. Saw the the bathroom. And I There's asked a, people so, there, so, and they said it was always there. It was always there. So in the back corner of the uh, performance area, where they usually put where, their equipment, where they usually put their equipment, so the corner where all the cases are stuff from the band's equipment, right above that, where all the funky lights from the seventies are hanging. There's there's a bathtub and a sink. There's a, and and so my question is, where's the toilet? There should be a toilet there too, because it's like a it's like one of those little tiny. Shitty half baths that you have. No, in, in, because in an think of like the conditions some people get building. in on that, and they think it's the real bathroom. <laughs> and then could you imagine them trying to go, and how they're going to like do a somersault and be hanging and trying to? You know, I'd rather not picture that. The real bathroom's disgusting enough. Yeah, the real bathroom's disgusting enough. I've but, managed to avoid but that I for guess, decades. Now Oz told me this, and a few other people did. I guess in Don't the '90s we weren't here. Well, you saw him. He was the door guy. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he told me that it was a dance club at first. It was like a dance club. And yeah. I had friends who went there. The Bauman, who you'll meet eventually, be afraid. Uh, he used to be a regular. He said, you know, you would go in there. They would go in there. And it would be a this great, diverse crowd. You'd see businessmen, punks yeah. hanging out. It was It was the same time as, like, Liberties and X. And heaven and all the other dance clubs in Rochester in the you know mid eighties. Saw Billy Squire in and, heaven. And yeah, and it was it was a cool uh, Billy Squire. It was it was a cool we bar. Can anything in time? What do you want? <laughs> but um, yeah, it was cool when all that stuff was new attached to the ceiling. And now it's funny how the fridge is covered in all the band stickers because you know it was it was this mid century kitchen, you know, immaculate pink kitchen. Or whatever colors it was, and now because it's it's turned into a live music band, it's got all the little you know two by four inch. And band you know, my comment is I said about how they finally did the floor, so if like you face plant, you don't have to worry about getting hepar syphilis on the floor. <laughs> well, for another week or so. <laughs> no, but I've seen a lot, and that's like I've always just felt home, like at home there. And I mean, we've had you know a couple times you'd have incidents there. It's always somebody who's never been there before. The people who go there are always really chill. Yeah. It's always like a really nice crowd because punks are, they might not want to admit it, they tend to be very nice. Yeah, punks punks are generally nice, fun-loving people. And, and You know, if you don't want to slam dance and some of the things, just stand back. Yeah. Although, so so we saw, so again, we saw Joe Buck. Joe, Joe Buck was... Not the bad announcer. That's all I could think of with this guy. You were just thinking the bad announcer. And I don't really watch sports, but so, enough people have complained. So so Joe Buck is classified as all-country. He's Hank William the, uh, Williams III's bass player. He tours... Uh, he was discovered in Lower <coughs> lower Broadway, busking on the street. He got dragged into some all-country club uh, in Lower Broadway. I think it was called BR549. Now, there's a trivia question for you. Where's that phone number from? BR549. I give up. Uh, hee haw. Oh, okay. just call BR five four nine. That's BR five four nine, right? So anyway, so he was he was playing there, and he got discovered by Hank Williams the third, and he's in, he's his bass player. But when he's not playing bass for Hank, he's he's in, living in a van down by the river, drives it back and forth along Route ninety 
between like New York City and where as far west as he can go without getting busted and back and lives in his van and 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 he's he's living the life of a punk on the road but that dude was authentic yeah he had a he, he was playing um some, some some fierce guitar he had some good vocals and he had a he has a foot pedal on his uh, hard case for his guitar that he uses as a bass drum. Shades of Vic Chestnut to me yeah, a little bit. Shades of Vic Chestnut, but but uh, way more authentically punky. Yeah. He was great. He was really he was really cool. And, and uh, Rob will attest this makes for bad radio. But when he when he when Joe walked walked by Rob uh, as he was leaving after doing a set. Rob just reeled and turned on his feet. I, I I was wondering if it was because he was boozy, and you said he was just ripe from living in his van. Yeah. So that's about as authentic punk as you can my get. My allergies are bad. <laughs> it cleared my <laughs> nose. Like, yeah, Rob could smell it. It's like, unfortunately, I was standing back, but, you know, as as he was leaving, we could see paint peeling off the walls and some of the stickers coming off. Could have made extra money, like, with co- like, okay, do I still have COVID? I, my sense of smell's gone. Uh, bring him in, bring him in. <laughs> if you can smell Joe <laughs> Buck, you don't have COVID. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they are, and there's like a thing. I remember this annoying guy when I was at Lucinda Williams, but I can't dispute what he said. Charlie Leuven was playing. He just kept saying, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. Charlie Leuven is the real deal. He's the shit. This guy yeah. was. This guy was the shit. You know, like, <laughs> like Charlie Leuven was like a guy you took out of a time capsule from a different era. Yeah. In all the good ways. Yeah, Joe Joe had the um, Joe Buck had the the uh, mohawk. If you look him up, you'll see photos of him with the mohawk. And you, you, actually, the photo I saw of him was pretty pretty good too, because you know he's like mouth open, you know, spitting at the mic with with this sort of wilty mohawk that he had because he doesn't use product, and um, or or he does, and it's just wilty anyway because he probably hasn't seen a shower. This in a few is fun. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, he was he was he was cool. Yeah, I think and then, there's two and then, types of and then uh, you know, but it was very different, right? Because he had a cowpunk band on first, right, with uh, with Wyatt Corn. And you saw him with the washboard, and they don't always break that out. That washboard was and epic. They don't do that all the time, which is because awesome. he had the he had the banjo picks and the yep. washboard. Well, so. I was talking to Elisa before, and I was asking about when the Creamers were playing, and she just said, "Well, they're, they're last, but all three good, all three are good bands." They're, they're also different too, right? So, yeah, which uh, is good because you don't want to hear like three hours of the same monotone. You don't want the good. same. You don't want the same punky drone the whole time. Yeah, they really mixed it up. And and you know when when uh, um, uh, Greasy Creepers came on, or Grease Grease Creepers. Sorry, I, I will. Although I, I think, used to say Greased Creepers. Oh, so. okay. So thank you for the correction. But Grease Creepers were uh, were a lot of fun. But you know, like everybody else, they haven't played in three years, and and um, they got they got demanded, they got they got told to play an yeah. encore, and that's right because they don't do that. What they do is they always end with the now it's time to say goodnight. I hope you enjoyed the show, and that's it. They right. never do encore. They never do encores, and so they were kind of forced into an encore, and they said, "Well, you're just going to have to listen to something that we already played because we haven't rehearsed enough." And and John Eric had the, when I saw him after his 569 days or whatever it was of not playing uh they were the same way they had two sets and they still had to repeat something from the first set and the second set because it, it had been you know two and a half years since they played out anywhere and they only had so much material even led zeppelin and i was reading like when they started out the plant would say you want to give them another and they would just the crowd wouldn't let them leave and yeah. they would have to come back play like long tall sally johnny B. you can find a clip of them playing blueberry hill yeah because they just go oh, what do we know what do we know yeah you know, sometimes you have to just 
Good. But but Tommy made up uh, uh, Grease Creepers made up a whole verse to Psycho Killer I'd never heard before. Yeah. I got to ask him what that was. I don't know if he was doing a mashup between two songs or or what, but uh, but it was not the French verse. The French verse he nailed, but it was the verse before that he he made up he made up lyrics. I think. Oh, he's I, a he's got like how many bands? He's just a great guy. They're yeah. all really great friends of yeah. mine. And that's the thing too. I mean, I'll. I mean, if you're not any good and you're a friend, I'm not going to go see you. <laughs> if you're, sorry. <laughs> Rob, Rob the music snob. <laughs> I have to do that. I can't have, like, the rep of the show. It's like, hey, you said this was good. I bought this. I want my money back. Yeah. So, to, so do Grease Creepers have uh, recordings out there? That They do, yeah. I could up? probably get you one. Or... Well, I was just thinking about our listeners here. So They played... Well, they you have to understand the Creepers. They haven't played together like since 2019. They really sort of because of all like Ryan's in 1916, and they tour. They're really busy. Uh, Colin, the one right. in the dress. Ryan's the, uh, the the bass, bass player. Bass player, yeah. So he's he in 1916. A, plays a stand up bass faster than I've ever seen. And he designs. I think plays. he designs like something too, like picks or something. Mm-hmm. Ryan Hurley picks. And I should know this. We've had, like, on the show, we played the songs. Uh, Colin has one. We had one band. He just got married recently. He's busy. He's got a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy's got 400 bands. Like, he's always doing. He's got his Moon Gator project. Yeah, so he's got a blues band. He's got a rock band. He's got a punk band. He's yeah, a pop band. Pop uh, band, really? I'm waiting for Jan. Yeah, the Bobs, where they came on wearing all these little hats and called themselves the Bobs. Okay, does he have a techno band? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. He was in a band called Wilksy and Crump. I wouldn't call him. Okay, see if you know this one. This, this band was Wilksy and Crump. What's that? What's, where did you get that from? Wilksy and Crump is the building <laughs> on the northwest corner of the Pittsburgh Main Street Can't fool you. You're not a drummer yet. <laughs> and I guess he was just driving by and he saw the name. Yeah. And I'm thinking like Oryx and Crank or something from Margaret Atwood. That's what oh, that's, I'm thinking. That, that would be cool. But that's a that is a cool name. Yeah, he's a friend of the show. They so all are. These are people. That, see, you got to be this way where you don't just walk through through life and looking straight ahead. You got to look up every once in a while. And even yeah. you know, I, I worked in New York City for a year commuting down there. So I was down there, fly down Monday or Tuesday, come home Thursday or Friday. But I was in Times Square. That's where our office was. And people always talk about tourists are the ones that are always you always tell the tourists because they're looking up. But it's like I st- I felt after a year of this I felt like I had earned my New York badge, right? That I I was, <coughs> I was in you know I was kind of you know walk through JD, keep my sunglasses on, don't don't look people in the eye and look down and everything. But at, on the way to work in the morning, but after I left work, like I'd look around at the architecture and I'd look around at things and and it's it's interesting when you see things like that because you're always on the lookout for names for bands. Yeah, and they're carved into buildings everywhere. They are. And the other thing, too, is I think you could be like there's certain travelers. Some people you go A to C. You just want to get there. Other people, it's A, B, C, where you want to see all your destination. Yeah. And everything else. And good old allergy cough in a minute. Hold it. (coughs) There it goes. (laughs) We'll edit that one out. (laughs) Yeah, we know. We leave a bit. You need a cough button, Rob. The one thing I will say is, like, seeing Michaela again. Like, it's just great, too, also seeing this. Like ten years later, seeing the progress of some musicians over the decades. Yeah, but we've been doing this like an hour. Is it like an hour already? Is an hour gone by? <coughs> yeah, my allergies are kicking in, and we're going to lose all the audience. <laughs> so Rob's going to start his honey trial this week. Yep, <laughs> he's got his Ricola. But it was lots of fun, and we'll have to do a sequel after we get rid of the guests. As always, thanks. Thanks to the peanut gallery. As always, you're welcome. Another country heard from. 
And we're going to play our good friend Todd Bradley's put one out, Corellian Dreams. Look at them all, serious. Cerulean Dreams. Oh, fuck It's you. Cerulean Blue. That's my show. Leave it's Cerulean alone. Blue. Remember, the mispronounced... <laughs> Remember, like, with Lily, I said, is that right? I was debating Oh, we got to say, we saw Lily, too. Lily was awesome. <laughs> She's a great person, too. It was yeah. chill, awesome, everything. And live. See her live. Yeah. But before I die for my allergies and we've been out an hour, we're going to play Todd's song, Mahjong. It's doing really well. I guess, like, tons of downloads. That's great. So it's called Mahjong, and it's Cerulean Dreams. Okay. Cerulean Blue. The cover's in Cerulean Blue. And it's, look at Todd. Look at all cer- serious there. Cerulean. <laughs> I give up. Just Todd Bradley. Todd Just Bradley. Google him and you'll find it. It's blue. You'll like it. And thanks. And anything else? We'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs>